I'm delighted to welcome everyone listening to us on the on the King's Cast. And we've opened our Bible at First Kings 17. Just before we read this, uh, a few years ago, 2003, a friend of mine returned from a short-term missions trip. It was to Uganda, Kampala, and or one of the villages nearby within that area. And the team arrived, they're from Cheltenham, uh, uh, Elam uh, Church, very similar to our kind of church. The, the, the girl who was telling me the story, she was, uh, she was a preacher, she, she uh, is a preacher, and she is very white and with blonde sort of hair, and apparently this was quite a feature uh, in this village. So they were quite interested to see her. When they arrived in the village, they found out that someone had just died in the village. And they were holding a funeral immediately. Uh, a little, that's a little bit foreign to the British mindset, but they're having a funeral immediately, as you, some of you will know all about. And this girl was invited to speak at the funeral. Well, she thought it was a great opportunity Muslim funeral, Muslim area. And, there, and everyone in the village came out. Hundreds and hundreds of people were there. She preached on uh, the hope of heaven. He will wipe away all our tears from Revelation. And then invited the people who were at the funeral to attend a gospel meeting later that day. They were amazed. The team were amazed. Later that day, almost, I mean, I don't know, I don't want to exaggerate, but a good number, if not all, of those people showed up again to hear the gospel. They preached the gospel, and a great number responded to the gospel. And they spent hour after hour after hour praying with the people into the night, got dark in the end, couldn't see anything. They were absolutely on fire with it. It was revival for them. They'd seen all these people come to the Lord. They were so excited about it. And in the morning, there was like a debrief of how the day had gone. And at the debrief, they were, oh, they're so excited. There were other teams, you see. So they like had the best story, if you see what I mean, of all the teams. Hey, yesterday we spoke at this funeral and then they all came to the meeting and then we preached and they all responded, well, a good number responded and we're all tired because we were praying with them into the night. And they were absolutely, it was revival. They're ecstatic, you know, excited. And then the senior leader, the local man, the uh, Ugandan man, took this girl aside and he looked her in the eyes and he said this, I am so disappointed with you. I'm so disappointed with you. And she looked at him like, oh, have I been proud? You know, is that, what, yeah, he's rebuking me for being excited about the meetings. But that wasn't it. He looked at her and he said this, why, oh, why? 
Did you not raise the man from the dead? He was in front of you in a coffin. And what did you do? Preach. He looked at her like. Earlier that week, was it earlier or later? Anyway, around the same time, they went to one of his leadership meetings. You may know that pastors get together sometimes. And pastors who are a bit better than the other pastors come and preach. And he was the preacher. And they were attending this meeting. And they were sitting there. These guys are from England, listening to him, teaching the other pastors how to run church. And he said this to them. Regarding the raising of people from the dead. Only raise people from the dead if they are young. If they're too old, leave them. Now, I don't know if you're feeling a bit old today. And all of a sudden, they realized, this team, that they were living in a different, not just a different country to him, but a different world to him. And the question we need to ask ourselves is not, are we in Cambridge or are we in Kampala? But the question is, what sort of world are we in? Are we in a world where we have a supernatural God or not? Because he was and they really weren't. So that had a profound effect upon them. In Hebrews 11, where there's that great list of all the attributes of faith, one of the things is in verse 35, it says this. It says, women received back their men from the dead others were tortured and went on to a better resurrection Hebrews 11 verse 35 the women referred to by the writer uh, is most likely the two women in the Old Testament who had encounter, one had an encounter with Elijah the other with Elisha so we're going to read one of the stories now where El- Elijah brought someone back from the dead What I want to do today is this. I want to inspire you. I hope it will be exciting stuff. I hope you'll be, have a bit more faith by the end of it. If you're not a Christian, I hope you maybe start to think about becoming a Christian. And the other thing I want to do is really to answer the question, are we supposed to raise people from the dead or not? You see it in the Bible. So if, you know, if my nan dies, am I supposed to bring her back from the dead or not? Am I a failure if I haven't given it a go? Are we supposed to let people die or are we supposed to bring everybody back? When should we try to raise someone from the dead? Should we try it at all? Do we need to have some special gift? I want to kind of touch on these sorts of topics and like I said I told you, you never heard anything like this before. Uh, 1 Kings 17 is the first account of very few accounts in the Bible of people being brought back from the dead. Maybe I need to flag that up straight away. It didn't happen very often at all. It happened in the Old Testament only twice. Well, three times. Three times. Once was accidental, but, uh, but three times. In the New Testament, through Christ, it happens only three times. 
And then in the days of the apostles, it happens twice, maybe three times. So if you put all those together, we're still only clocking up around nine or ten times. Which is not very much in the history of the world, is it? And uh, so we'll bear that in mind. But anyway, let me read a bit of the Bible here. This is the story of the widow of Zarephath. And she's been a blessing to Elijah. He's been a blessing to her. And let's pick it up in verse 17 of 17. Verse King 17, 17. Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, "Uh, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, O Lord my God, have you brought <coughs> excuse me, have you brought tragedy also upon this widow I'm staying with by causing her son to die? Uh, then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried to the Lord, O Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child. Everyone say child. Yeah, that'll be important in a minute. He picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house, and he gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. And the woman was happy about that. So it goes on. Um, The other occasion where there was a resurrection from the dead was with Elisha, and it's a very, very similar story. It's a widow woman, it's an older woman. Actually, she's not a widow, but she's an older woman with an older husband. She has a young child, it's the Shunammite woman, and he dies, and Elisha sort of does the same thing, this thing where they lie on top of the body Uh, this wouldn't be recommended in any ministry today would it Uh, but lay on top of the body I told you and the boy comes back to life I told you there was a third incident of resurrection in the Old Testament that I called accidental Uh, might you know what that is well I'll tell you it's when uh, someone is thrown into Elisha's tomb remember this and by hitting Elisha's bones Uh, the man comes back to life. That is the anointing, by the way. uh, Long after you're dead, you're still ministering. That really is, that's the anointing of God, isn't it? So these three incidents, two and a half, if you count the third as accidental, where people were brought back from the dead. Now, coming into the New Testament, Jesus, his name is Resurrection and Life, so you might, that's on his business card, so you might expect him to do a, a, you know, a little bit of this. And um, uh, we have three accounts in the New Testament of Jesus raising people from the dead. What I want to put now in brackets is that little piece in John where John says, Jesus did many other things, right? Amen? Many other things not recorded in this book. 
and, and if all of them were put down, the whole world wouldn't contain the books. Uh, this was, of course, in the days before computer files. But, uh, but so Jesus may have done more resurrections than this, but we, are going, we won't add any in, in our imagination. So we have three. Jairus' daughter, you remember that, the synagogue ruler. Uh, Jairus, his little girl, is sick. Jesus is late, sort of getting to the house, and the little girl dies. And he just brings her back, tells her to wake up, and she, and she wakes up. Go over to Luke chapter 7, if you will, in your Bible. It's the only other one we'll read. Uh, Luke chapter 7 is an, uh, another one. And uh, this is the raising up of the widow's son at Nain. Uh, let me just uh, find it here, bring it up. Luke 7 verse 11. Luke 7 verse 11. Are you with me? If any of you die, you might get a shock in a minute. Uh, uh, verse 11, soon afterwards... Jesus went to a town called Nain and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out. The only son of his mother. Just see if you can remember that detail for later. The only son of his mother. And she was a widow. A large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her and he said, don't cry and he went up, touched the coffin, which he shouldn't really have done. That would have made him unclean, you, you, if you understand that. And those carrying it stood still. He said, young man, please say young man. Yeah, it's not looking good for you oldies, is it? Young man. <laughs> uh, I say to you, get up. And the dead man sat up and began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. Did you ever wonder what he would have said at that point? what am I doing here? Or something like that. But, uh, so there was the, this miracle, the widow's son at Nain. And finally, uh, Jesus went to the funeral of Lazarus and somewhat rewrote the order of service uh, for that particular funeral. It ended quite differently to how it had been planned because he brought Lazarus back from the dead. And then one that's just a bit interesting is uh, the, uh, when Jesus dies on the cross, at the moment he dies on the cross, Matthew's gospel, the only one to record it, says that a whole lot of people came back from the dead in Jerusalem. And over the Easter weekend, they went into the city and appeared to many people after Jesus' resurrection. So we don't know what happened to them. We don't know who they were. We know they were up and about in time for the bank holiday. But other than that, we don't know what was going on that particular Easter. We don't know if then they all went back into their tombs afterwards or whether they continue to live, we, we don't know. But it's, it is another account of resurrection. Now, the disciples are given the same power uh, by the Lord. In uh, Matthew chapter 10, uh, if you want notes on this, they'll all be online on the, on the website. In uh, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, I want you to go to the, to the towns, uh, go preach this message the kingdom of God is near and then he says to them uh, you know heal the sick cleanse the leper raise the dead and according to the gospel of Luke they went out and did that very thing he says they went out they healed people everywhere so we're going to assume uh, from it's a little silent but we will assume that they did indeed raise the dead 
When John the Baptist's disciples came to him and said, look, he's, he, wants you to, he wants you to tell him, are you the one who's coming or should we expect someone else? Jesus says, well, you know, people are being healed, the lame are walking, and he says this, and the dead are raised. So it must have been happening uh, certainly around about that time. And then we come to this Mark 16 passage where Jesus says, now go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature, and these signs will follow those who believe. Now, what he doesn't do is he doesn't include raising the dead there. He doesn't say raise the dead as he had done earlier. He says, you know, lay hands on the sick and they will recover. You may believe that the dead fall into that remit. Maybe they do. Certainly, Jesus said, you're going to do greater things than me. And what we do know is that the, the apostles in Acts went out and they really did raise people from the dead. So whether that, in, that instruction appears in Mark 16 or not, they certainly went out and did it. And we have a few examples here which you can see uh, online as well if you go to the notes. Uh, Peter and Dorcas, or uh, Tabitha, Dorcas is her Greek name, Tabitha, Aramaic name. Uh, he goes in and sort of follows Jesus' model exactly. It's almost exactly like Jairus' daughter being raised. Uh, Paul and Eutychus, this is a brilliant one. Uh, Eutychus is uh, a young man who actually dies, listen to this, he dies from the effect of a particularly long sermon. He does. He's sitting in a window... It's all very warm, and it says Paul went on for hours. So it is apostolic to be long, but, and the guy falls asleep, falls out the window, and dies. You may know, if you've read the story a few times, that what Paul does is he runs down and he throws his arms around him. Have any of you ever noticed that? He throws his arms around him, and can you see why he does it now? Because He's modeling what Elijah and Elisha did when they raised people from the dead. He puts his arms on them. He didn't see Jesus do it, but he has, he's got the Bible. He's got the Old Testament. So he wraps his arms around him. Uh, uh, that may not be required um, uh, today, of course, but God does raise him. And then uh, just a little one that I put into my uh, recent article, which is that Paul himself may have died at one time, because he goes up to heaven in Second uh, Corinthians, talks about his experiences in, in heaven, and at the end of Acts 14, it says that he was so badly stoned that the people thought he was dead, and then he stands up. Now, we don't know if he was dead, but he may have died himself. Who knows? Who knows? And then this was the interesting part of the research I did, because then I began to look and see, well, did this happen after the, after the apostles died, you know, did this continue to happen? You'll be delighted to know it did. And that for 2,000 years, people have indeed been coming back from the dead. And uh, we have all these examples. I'll just sort of thumb through maybe uh, a few of them where uh, uh, they, there may be some interest to you. Augustine, St. Augustine to some of you. St. Augustine of Hippo. I never can take that phrase seriously because I think of a hippo as a big creature but St. Augustine of Hippo that's North Africa really in 242 he saw two people raised from the dead in four days it was uh, 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 siblings uh, a man and then his sister 
both brought back from the dead inside his church, according to the traditional accounts. Smith Wigglesworth, who some of you may have heard of, uh, ministry really operating 1930s, 1940s, so not so long ago at all, those who've documented his life claim this, that he raised no less than, could have been more, no less than 14 people from the dead. 14. (laughs) Uh, One of them was a, a boy. I was reading this account. Wigglesworth went into the house and there was a five-year-old lad in a coffin. And Wigglesworth said to the father, I want you to go out now. And the father went out. Wigglesworth locked the door. Right? Never let anyone do that. But he locked the door. He locked himself in with the boy. And according to those who chronicle this, Wigglesworth picked the dead boy out of the coffin and stood him up in the corner of the room. Don't tell social services, but that's what he did. <laughs> and uh, uh, ordered death to leave the boy, life to come back, and the boy woke up and was alive. He even raised his own wife back from the dead, Wigglesworth. Now, some of you may not want to do that. <laughs> Take the money and run might come into your... You go up to heaven. She says, why didn't you raise me? I said, I just never had faith. Uh, Sorry. (laughs) He was so so heartbroken over his wife Polly died that he brought her back from the dead. And she opened her eyes, looked at him, and she said, Smith, uh, you know, um, the Lord wants me. You can't have me. Uh, The Lord wants me. So he kissed her goodbye. And his final words to her were, uh, goodbye um, for now. And she closed her eyes and was gone. He uh, was something else, Wigglesworth. And, and when you put together the Bible account, Wigglesworth raised more people from the dead in the Bradford area in the 1930s and 40s than in the whole of the Bible. So it's pretty impressive stuff. Uh, so uh, he, was, he was interesting. Brother Alexander, uh, well, the Congo now, called Zaire then, of course, he uh, was a, a, a fairly uneducated missionary I told this story to some folks this week a fairly uneducated missionary who was uh, uh, he preached that Jesus was a miracle working God and so as a result of this people took him at his word and in one of the meetings that uh, Alexander did uh, a man showed up with his dead wife or no his dead fiancée they weren't married his fiancée he brought her to the meeting now if you're if you're going to bring anyone dead to the meeting maybe you just like drop us an email first uh, I would just talk it through in that have a word with the health and safety officer or something uh, but um, he brought her to the meeting and these, these uh, meetings in the, in the Congo you know little tiny huts little room very hot and a four day old woman dead I mean not, you know she's been dead four days uh, it's not, you need a bit of the old tsh, 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 do you understand? So the place just stank. And she said, if your Jesus is real, then my fiance can come back alive. The guy looks like from reading the account, he wasn't quite sure what to do. So he said, oh, come, let's all sing a song. That's always a good thing for a pastor to do when he doesn't know what to say. <laughs> let's all sing a song. 
you know. So they all sang a song and they sang for 20 minutes and they all had their eyes closed and when he opened his eyes, the woman had gone and she was in the front row singing with everyone else. Hallelujah. But people didn't notice. They all opened their eyes. They saw her and everyone ran for their lives. (laughs) Including him. It's true. Many of you will know Ian McCormack's testimony. Uh, you know this story. Wonderful to hear it. Stung, t- stung to death five times by a box jellyfish and uh, uh, absolutely returned from the dead. Uh, you can see that one online. You see videos of that. Uh, Daniel, I won't try and pronounce this, uh, this name here, but uh, Brother Daniel, Pastor Daniel, uh, 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 2001 Nigeria, he had a car crash and uh, his wife simply refused uh, to let him die and uh, took him to several hospitals. He was clearly dead and had given a death certificate and they injected him. You know when they inject people with the dead? And uh, so he was injected with all that. He had his death certificate. She still wouldn't have it. Dragged him to church. Surprise, surprise, they wouldn't let her into church with him. So uh, it's always good to have good ushers, isn't it? And uh, so they were taken down to the, uh, like a cellar underneath uh, so they were underneath the meeting, and as the man of God began to pray uh, upstairs, uh, Brother Rana Bonke, uh, uh, Daniel uh, came back to life uh, underneath and had a story about visiting angels and heaven and hell and uh, all of this. Uh, the angel actually gave him a kind of a notepad to write on while he was in heaven, and uh, when he woke up, he was desperately looking for his, for his notepad because he didn't have it anymore. It had been left behind. Uh, amazing stuff Jean Darnell raised her mother from the dead Pastor Yonggi Cho is another good one many of you will know of, of him uh, his second son Samuel died with, uh, they bought food from a, a street vendor uh, is it such a thing as a silkworm or something you can eat them anyway it, it, it had killed him and lots of the children in the area had been killed by this bad food and uh, Cho wasn't at all happy about this he was a great man of prayer and he he prayed for two hours, I think, just for his son to come back. And uh, uh, he repented and thought of everything he knew to do. Finally, he, he got off the bed and he gave a clap with his hand and sort of ordered his son back. And suddenly his son leapt off the bed and was alive. And his testimony was that uh, Jesus had walked into the room, picked him up and was taking him out of the room into like a a giant light where there was music. And then Joe clapped his hands and said, return in Jesus' name. And Jesus then turned around and brought the boy back uh, into his body. Not sure if he was grateful for that or not, but that's what happened. So these things have gone on over the years. Uh, It's wonderful, isn't it? It's wonderful. But here's the question we sort of want to know. We could talk a lot more about all these stories, of course, and there are many more. But here's the story, here's the thing we really want to know. What do we do about this? <laughs> uh, uh, many of us, some who work in the medical profession may be a little different, but 
Many of us aren't likely to bump into a dead body anytime soon. Uh, and so it's not something we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. But we are still left with the question, are we supposed to be, are we supposed to go into, you know, mortuaries and, you know, bring all the people out? Are we supposed to go into graveyards and uh, raise the dead? Are we biblically supposed to be doing that? Uh, it's a good question, isn't it? And here are some, here's not really an answer, but here are some factors regarding the people who have been raised from the dead. And maybe by looking at the, the factors, that will really help us to know what God really wants us to do in these uh, scenarios. So, um, here goes. Are there certain conditions regarding this extraordinary miracle? And I, through my research, I believe I've found three common factors uh, that may help us with this. Number one, those raised from the dead were usually young. The, The boys that Elijah and Elisha raised were young. You remember I got you to say the word child? Jairus' little daughter, young, right? Young. The widow's son at Nain, I got you to repeat that he was a young man. And if you look at the uh, account of uh, Peter raising Tabitha, she may be a little older than a little girl, but you get the inference that she's a young woman and when that poor guy dies from the long sermon, Acts is very clear, it says, the young man fell from the window. So there's a clue. It's a good clue. The people generally were young. Now there's a few exceptions. We don't know how old Lazarus was. The people who were uh, brought back from the dead uh, over the Easter weekend, whoever they may have been, they could have, but that's a little bit of an unusual one. Uh, and we don't know how old the guy was who fell on Elisha's bones. But where we are given uh, the information, all the people are young. That's just interesting, isn't it? That's just interesting. They are all young. So maybe that guy in Uganda was right. If they're too old, leave them. Maybe he was right. Maybe he was right. Of course, of course, it's not the will of God for you to live forever. Not down here anyway. Okay. So we can kind of understand that. So... uh, That's one way to look at it. Number two, there were usually connections with social and economic necessity. Now that is a, that's a polite way of saying that mama needed her boy. The widow's son. Okay, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, people who got the dead brought back to them were women who had no husband. Remember I said in Elisha's case he was an older husband. They were women who had no husband and he was their only son, something like that. That is so common in the stories. Now, uh, that's not true about Jairus' daughter, as far as we know. But in many of the cases, you understand, don't you, that in Bible times and in some parts of the world, of course, today, that some of you are more familiar with than I am, a widow has got to have her son. Because he's the one who's going to 
bring the money in. And so many of the miracles that happen in the New Testament, many of the healings are, are, and if you've never heard this before, please hear it today, because it's still true today as well. Many of the healings are connected with economic necessity, i.e., I will raise you up from your lameness or your blindness so you can go to work and live like everyone and earn money and bring you out of your poverty. There's, a, there's lots of times where there's an element of that. So there was normally the, the miracle of the resurrection of the dead was normally connected with uh, putting you know, people back to work, putting food back on the family's table. It wasn't intended to be a gimmick. It wasn't intended to happen while someone played an exciting bit of charismatic music. It wasn't intended to sell DVD sales or books. It was intended so that the families could have money to live. Uh, the, the Old Testament tackles this a lot when it says, you know, if, if she loses her husband, let the brother marry her. And it, God's always thinking, uh, he's always thinking about bread on the table. More than, we, more than we imagine. So number one, or A, the people were usually young. So should you have brought your granny back from the dead when she died at 55, or your mum when she was 68? Uh, the answer is uh, probably not. You probably didn't miss out on some big thing that God wanted you to do at all. Because God seems to bring the young people back from the dead in the Bible and today. Uh, not older people. Uh, economic necessity. And here's the third one. It often occurred when the living people, because um, they're the only ones who really got a say in all this, aren't they? When they sort of refused to give up. Uh, it's not passive at all. When the people come back from the dead, it's not well, if you feel like it, you can do it. These women, because it's, it's normally women, were, in many of these stories, they were absolutely desperate. This has got to happen. Particularly those Old Testament stories. Uh, come and heal my daughter. You know, Lord, come to my house. And we have the example where Jesus sort of does it himself. Lazarus, the, the widow's son at Nain, he kind of just breaks in and does it himself. But in many cases, it is the stubborn refusal of the living to let go of the dead. And that sort of moves the power of God. It's extraordinary, actually. They will not take no for an answer. Now, like I say, if the people were older, then maybe no would still have been the answer. But when they were younger, it seems like God did it for them, moved by prompting prayer and faith. Just some, some conclusions about this, uh, this theme. Uh, first of all, all these resurrections were temporary. The ones that we've spoken about in the Bible, the ones that happened in historical times, post-Bible times, were temporary. Lazarus died again, right? He, he died again. Jairus' daughter went to college, did well. 
but she's not around now. Uh, and, and so all those who were raised died again. Uh, if Lazarus had a bit of a dodgy eye when he died, most likely when he was raised from the dead, he had a dodgy eye again. Maybe it moved to the other one. Uh, if Eutychus had a bit of a bad hip when he died, when he came back from the dead, he might also have continued to have a bad hip. What happened really, uh, in a sense, they were resuscitated. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't dead, but they were sort of resuscitated rather than resurrected, i.e., they came back, but it was, it, they were still back on an, on an ordinary life. And they died again. One day, the Christian press, you'll read it in a, in a Christian magazine, the jellyfish man, Ian McCormack, has died. And he won't be coming back again. Right? If he does, boy, he'll be popular. <laughs> if he comes back to life again, then some of us will start to think that maybe God really does have favorites. <laughs> no, he's going to die again. Because these people who were resurrected were in a sense resuscitated. Uh, please hear me, that I'm not saying they weren't dead and it wasn't a miracle. It was a miracle. Of course it was. They were dead and they're back. But they came back weak, not eternally strong. They came back ordinary and they die again later on. So that's the first thing. They all died again. Number two, the future resurrection, just following on then, when Christ returns is going to be eternal. So when you die and you get your resurrected body, you're not going to have a dodgy hip or a funny eye. You're not going to have that. You're going to be perfect, aren't you? So uh, when Jesus rose from the dead, he lives now forever. When Lazarus rose from the dead, he lived another 15 years, did the conference circuit, you know. Hey, I'm Lazarus, everybody. And then, then, then he died. But Jesus lives forever. At the resurrection of the dead, we, the bodies we have are going to be glorious. They're going to be strong. They're going to be supernatural. And we're going to live forever. I could say a lot more about that, but I'll just, I'll just move on. Until then, we may have a taste of the powers of the coming age. That's what Hebrews 6 says. It says, some have experienced, tasted of the powers of of the age to come. That's exactly what the gifts of the Spirit do. The gifts of the Spirit today give us a bit of a glimpse of what the future is going to be. Why did Jesus do his first miracle at a wedding? Because that's where we're all heading. We're all heading to the, the wedding uh, supper of the Lamb. That's where we're all heading. Why did Jesus heal people? Well, lots of reasons. One of them is as a sign that in the future in heaven, there won't be any sickness at all. Until we get there, there's going to be. But, but he brings a taste of the world to come to us today. I think of it like a river. Uh, I used to work in underground caves and familiar with mudslides and water moving things around and 
I used to think of it like God brings the future with the river of God flows from heaven to earth and brings a bit of what's in that cave into our cave today. So we get to have a bit of a taste. It's very interesting that resurrection stories are split in two. You get those who come back from the dead and they have a big story. Oh, I met Jesus. Oh, I saw, I saw the angels. And others don't say anything at all. It's very interesting. The best stories are those where they have some memory of the afterlife. But some have no memory at all. Finally, we must conclude that death is the better resurrection. This is where we started. Where Hebrews says this, women received their dead back to life again. But, says Hebrews, others went on to the better resurrection. So, so let's be clear. It's actually okay to die. <laughs> it's not the end of the world. The end of this world. Well, it's not the end of the story, is it? Just before Christmas, I was uh, asked to go and pray for a lady in Essex. Lived in a bungalow. It was when it was all the snow. I remember that because I remember being terrified trying to get up this gravel path. And I thought, I've come to pray for the sick, but I might be going out of here in an ambulance any time. <laughs> and the pastor who's with me, a lady, a lady pastor a more, of a more senior age, and I had to pretend that I was helping her through the snow. <laughs> Put one lent on the other. Went to see this lady. She was terribly ill with cancer. It was very, very terminal for her. But she said to her pastor, you know, I'd really love to go to a healing meeting. And did she know anyone? The lady knew me and said, would I go? She couldn't take her to a healing meeting. She was so ill. But she said, would I go to her home and pray for her there? I don't normally do that, but I, I thought, oh, okay, I'll do that. And so I went into her home, and there she is lying on the bed. All the family are there. Everyone's upset. It's all very sensitive. It's nothing to, you know, it's not, I'm not being amusing about it. It's because it's terribly sad. But I leant over and I looked at her and I said to her this, I said, well, what would you like? I said, do you want to be healed or do you want to go home? And can I just say, sometimes that's a real good question to ask somebody. It's a real good question. She wanted to get healed. That's why I was there. But when I asked her the question, she suddenly thought about her husband who died, I think, that same year or very short time before. She said, and she thought, I'd like, she thought, I'd like to see him again. So I'd gone there for a healing meeting. But she said to me, I'd like to go home. we prayed together committed her to the grace of God her pastor told me this a few weeks later she did die she never spoke about healing again all she 
thought about was going home and how she couldn't wait to get home. A Baptist pastor took the funeral. He said, this is true. I'm not preaching. I'm telling you the truth now. He said this, never before had he met someone so ready, so peaceful about death. Because there is such a thing as a better resurrection. And I thought this, and with this I finish, but I thought this. Where that lady is right now, in the glorious presence of Christ, who by the way is probably even more wonderful than her husband. Amen. (laughs) Surrounded by the glory of God, no more tears, no more pain. Do you really think she wants to go back to Essex? Or anywhere nearby? Do you think she wants to go back into her bed in that bungalow? I don't. But you make up your own mind. And so God is a God of signs and wonders. He raises people from the dead. There may come a time in your life, someone here in the room or someone listening to this message all over the place via the net, there may come a time in your life when you'll have your face this very dramatic moment and maybe God will inspire you in that moment to pray maybe something amazing will happen or maybe that person will go on to the better resurrection the one where God just like that preacher in Uganda said will wipe away all the tears from our eyes Amen